Hallelujah. Let's do this briefly. <laughs> Got to do that. Yeah. Can't get away with not doing that. Amen. The altar call, did you make it? Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to just start with a, you know, because we are missionaries and uh, missionaries. Wait a second. We are not missionaries. We're missionaries. We want to show the video, and then it, we'll talk. It was done in Spanish, so, so to, if, there's some those subtitles. who can't read, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read fast. <coughs> El Faro de Esperanza es una misión cristiana en Chiapas, México, la cual tiene como visión que el Señor levante líderes mediante la palabra de la cruz y el amor de Dios hacia los demás. La palabra dice que debemos hacer discípulos. El mandamiento más fuerte para nosotros es hacer discípulos, no hacer cristianos, no hacer miembros, ni, no es hacer discípulos, seguidores del Señor. Y esta no es obra social, es, es una obra de, es, es una misión, es para hacer discípulos de Cristo. La visión comenzó a dar fruto a través de una escuela bíblica, la cual, años más tarde, se convertiría en una iglesia local que fue creciendo poco a poco. En más o menos tenemos casi 15 años aquí en Chiapas, trabajando mucho con niños, niños abandonados y um, drogadictos por años, huérfanos. Venimos con el, el fin de, de hacer una escuela bíblica los, los sábados, nada más, un día en la semana, abierto a todo el mundo. De ahí, después de tres años, nació la iglesia. Y mientras el Señor añadía los miembros a su iglesia, también comenzó a hacer crecer su ministerio con los niños. Cada niño tiene potencial que es increíble. Si hay alguien en sus vidas que pueden ser como porrista o pueden, um, pueden apoyarnos de encontrar el Señor y, y después de esto también de ver su propósito. Y cada niño tiene propósito grande en el Señor. Siempre es ver cuáles son sus talentos, sus deseos, sus habilidades y tratar de, de guiarlos, ¿no? En lo que podemos, porque en cuanto a recursos y todo, ¿no? Ahora, con la ayuda del Señor, el proyecto de una aldea infantil se está convirtiendo en una realidad. El rancho El Alfarero cuenta con 43 hectáreas, crianza de conejos, borregos, vacas lecheras, vacas de engorda, gallinas ponedoras, más de mil árboles frutales, producción de moringa, una bloquera y muchos proyectos en puerta. Todo esto con el fin de cuidar a más de 200 niños en un lugar cómodo, sano y completamente autosustentable. Hasta hace poco, esta gran familia vivía en una casa en Arriaga, Chiapas, pero el Señor siempre los ha bendecido con algo más, lo que sirve como ejemplo a los niños del amor y la fidelidad de Dios, y los ha orillado a tomar decisiones para su eternidad.
apenas recibimos esta propiedad, que son cinco hectáreas con no sé cuántos edificios, una iglesia, este, la escuela, dormitorios para las niñas. No, Dios, Dios está bendeciendo mucho la obra. Cada cristiano tiene una um, tarea, una obligación de cuidar a los niños, porque ellos no tienen nadie. Y esta es nuestra tarea aquí. Solo empezamos obedeciendo y tratando, tratando de hacer lo que Él, él nos habla, pues. Vamos a encontrar nuestra vida cuando perdimos nuestra vida. Todo lo que hemos hecho, hemos hecho por fe. No hemos ni pensado y ni planeado irnos a otro lugar. Aquí estamos y hasta, hasta el fin. <risa> El, nom, el, nom, oh, sorry, sorry. el nombre de la... Sorry. Uh, the reason it's called El Faro de Esperanza is because if you translate lost and found internationally, it just doesn't translate very well in Spanish. Perdidos y encontrados, it just doesn't. So we had to add it, made it, made it El Faro de Esperanza, the beacon of hope. So, okay. Um, we've had a really amazing year. And it's been just full of changes. And, the, you know, we went down there um, in 1999, Brother Dale. We, we went down there to do a two-week school and um, just to teach the brothers down in Chiapas. And, and many of you have heard the story. We ended up with a call. And the, we weren't too excited about it at the moment because it was so hot. <laughs> um, but the Lord just wouldn't let it, let it go. We just kept feeling like we were supposed to return to Arriaga. We were st uh, to start a, a pioneer work down there, start a Bible. Bible school, and then out of that Bible school, over a period of years, a church was uh, was birthed, and the, um, neither one of us really felt we were being we were very good at pastoring. But the Lord had another idea, and we ended up pastoring a church. And um, so we had the Bible school, and then the church started, and and the work just kept growing. And we had so many neat things happen down there. The Lord gave us our home in Arriaga. It's a big two-story home. It's got I mean, it's huge. It's perfect for our work, and. Um, as some of you visited uh, down there, to, and it was, again, an amazing miracle how the Lord gave us that home. Um, a little bit after that, the Lord started sending children to us. Um, they, uh, we had been, we'd lived in Romania for four years and we'd worked with the children in Romania and helped to establish um, two orphanages in Romania with Brother Ilya Coroma. Um, and so when we got to Mexico, we felt again that the Lord was going to call us to work with the abandoned children. And, and we had worked on a boys' ranch, actually, in Texas in our early 20s uh, as home parents to drug, to drug addicts. And we always felt that um, a ranch situation, a farm situation, would be perfect for um, 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 orphans and abandoned children. And so we'd had, we'd been carrying this vision for about 30 years, actually. The Lord gave us a really powerful vision that we were going to have a ranch and that we were going to ha um, have a children's village. And we kept carrying that. And we, you know, God gives you a vision. You think sometimes it's going to happen tomorrow. 
but this was 30 years. And so um, about six or seven years into our work down there, the Lord showed us. Um, I've shared this with some of you, how we, we used to travel from Arriaga to Tuxla, which is the um, the capital city, and we would pass over into this valley. And every time we'd pass into this valley, I'd tell Bill, oh, this is my favorite place. This is my favorite place. And and it was just beautiful, just these mountains. And these. It's, when it's in the rainy season, it's just a, a green that's undescribable. It's beautiful, tropical, and it got to be a joke with us that every time we passed over that mountain, I'd say, it's in my favorite place. And he'd go, I know, it's your favorite place. And so... Um, it, but what happened was a couple of years later, well, Bill's driving and he stops at a gas station and there was a sign on in on the gas station window, ranch for sale. And we never have money to do anything, but we just keep pushing forward with it. And so Bill contacts these uh, people through uh, one of our spiritual sons down there. And, and the ranch was in where? My favorite place. And so uh, it was 106 acres, and, and Bill, we sent one of our, our sons out there to walk it and just to see because we knew if Bill and I showed up, the price would probably double or triple. And and so he went out there, he walked the property, came back, and he said, this is it. This is exactly what you've been talking about for years. It's, again, 106 acres. It has two beautiful streams, a water supply. It's just amazing. And so we said, well, go back and find out what they want. And, and um, they gave us an amount of money which it could have been a million dollars i think we might have had 10 bucks in our pocket at that that point in time and so we got a few people to pray about it and everybody kept saying um we had our friends up in canada pray howard and lena and the church up there and they i think it was in your church they saw money falling from heaven pennies falling from heaven and we had church here praying and and it all and it Nobody, we didn't tell them what they're praying about. We just said, would you pray about this and see what God says? And so um, with that, we felt like we were going to pay cash. And we still didn't have any money, so we sent Jonathan back. We said, Jonathan, ask him what he'll, what he'll do if we pay cash for it, if he'll drop the price. And the man was desperate. He just dropped the price. But it was still, I mean, I don't remember 80000 or something. It was, like, unbelievable when you don't have any money. And so um, so anyway, he comes back, and we, we all prayed about it. And we said, this is ours. God has said that this is ours. Go back and tell him we'll have the money in a month. And so Jonathan goes back and he says, okay, and he's, you know, he says, we're going to buy this piece of property. We're going to pay cash for it in a month. And then Bill and I hit the floor <laughs> and we just started seeking the Lord and praying. And, and I mean, I, literally not having any money <laughs> to do this. And, um, and then about two weeks into, um, it started coming. All the money, by the, by the time that the month was over, every penny had showed up. Not a penny more, but every penny to buy the property. And we went out and we paid cash for that ranch. And, and so we didn't have enough money then to even put a, a fence between us and the other property owner, but we had the ranch. And that was the first day that Bill and I walked on it was the day we paid for it. And we walked out there, and like I said, we've been carrying this vision. You know, Young Cho said years ago about being pregnant with vision, and we had been pregnant for 30 years. That's a long time. And um, and so, we. but the birth came, and we walked out on that property, and it's just beautiful. It was up on this hill, and, and uh, we got up on the hill, and we just, both of us got down on our knees before the Lord and dedicated this place to God for His glory and for saving a multitude of children. And so... Um, God began to, that was about seven years ago or so, and I can't even begin to tell you all the blessings now. Um, the little bit on the, 
uh, the video. It's uh, it's got over a thousand fruit trees that we've planted, and and a ranch house, and we've got cattle, beef. Every story, every miracle that happened. A rancher, and he came up to us and he said, "Hey, I'll put forty head of cattle out there, and uh, we'll weigh them, and at the end of the see the at the end of the year, we'll weigh them again, and we'll sell them, and I'll give you half of the profit on the weight gain." Well, what that did was he stuck his cows out there, and we kind of watched them. We didn't know what we were doing. We're just pretty green in that. And but at the end of that time, he sold them, and we made about twenty thousand dollars. And he took that money, and he bought us our cows. And so he bought another forty or forty-five head of cattle, but they were ours. And then we raised them during that time. And at the end of the year, all that money was ours, and we reinvested until we got. Um, we've got uh, two hundred and something chickens, and about last count, three hundred and something rabbits but they do multiply pretty fast and there could be 500 by the time we get home um we have got um um, borrego borrego sheep um (laughs) sheep we've got a bunch of sheep i think there's about 70 or 75 sheep out there horses people donated begin to donate from the the church we've got some beautiful horses out there um what else we got the block factory. We make our own blocks. We're our construction. We're building for 200 children. So we need 20 homes. Um, uh, and the Lord just started that this year. Another amazing thing happened with that. And a man came from Monterrey and he wanted to help us. And he was a little bit strange in his way of doing it. And at first I was thinking, oh, God, you know, get rid of this guy. He's just, um, but he was a blessing. And, um, but you know, I just, he was just different, a different kind of guy. And he finally came to Bill and he said, I know what I'm supposed to do. He said, I'm going to raise money for that first house and the bridge, the putting the bridge in. And he goes back to Mont- Monterey and he's got all of these contacts and he raises this money and he takes the blueprints from us and he goes out there and he builds a house. And he builds a complete house. Bill and I didn't have anything to do with it. We didn't, money-wise or anything, he oversaw everything. He built the bridge. He built the house. And we're at number one on the first 20 of the houses out there. And our goal is to to be able to help over 200 kids in that place. Um, the ranch just took off. Our kids love it. We have a beautiful ranch house, a bunkhouse that was the first building. And some of you came out and helped us on that, helped us do the landscaping and have another project if you want to come again. And so, but our children, we go out there on the weekends from Arriaga. It's about a 45-minute drive. And, and the kids wanted to move. And we just didn't, it wasn't ready yet to move our complete family. Our families, we've, Bill and I are mom and dad to 25. And, and, um, and so, I got the thing. I said, Lord, by the time we ever get out there with all these kids, are going to be too old to really enjoy everything. And it's just taking so long to get everything established for the children. And and then in November, um, well, last year, somebody contacted us. We've been helping in a, a clinic over the years. Um, there was an eye clinic um, up around the ranch area. And this man started his missionary career at 70 years old. He went to Chiapas. He got a call in Chiapas. He saw that people um, had a lot of cataracts and they didn't, they didn't have proper eye care. And he got this call in his heart. He's from Lubbock, Texas. And he... Um, he said to the Lord, um, raise up somebody. And the Lord said, okay, I'm raising up you at 70 years old. And so he and his wife took their inheritance, or not their inheritance, their, their retirement money, and they went down there and they built an eye clinic. And they bought 12 acres or 5 hectares. Is that 5 hectares? Is that 12 acres? And they began in, in 19, oh, well, 
was it about the 80s or something like that? He started this eye clinic, and they did free surgeries. And these doc- doctors would fly down from the United States, really amazing eye doctors, and they would do surgeries. And Bill and I kind of got roped into this to do some translation and to help the people as they were. Some of them would do two, 300 surgeries in three days. I mean, morning till night. All kinds of amazing things happened in this property. And over time, he built this property up, and they were built. They had five homes. They had dormitories. Um, they had albergues, which would be like another set of dormitories, um, um, a church building, and they just started all of this. But a couple of um, years ago, they asked Bill and I if we'd take it, if, if we would, um, you know, take over their ministry eventually. And Steve Irby, do you remember you were down there with us? Um, this has been quite a while ago, and, and Dell, and we drove up to the property, and I kind of felt like, yes. We're going to take it. and But as we prayed about it, Steve had a word, and it was a word of wisdom. He said, you are not... Um you're not medical missionaries. You've never been medical missionaries. And it just seems that this isn't really the, the calling. And we, that we took that to heart and we said to the brother, you know, I, we just don't think it's us. You know, not in, in this context. And so years later, jumping forward now, um, last year they contacted us. The brother's 89 and he's, he's struggling with, um, um cancer. And his wife has got a brain tumor, and, and the Lord is doing a, a really, they're really doing, he's been, I think he's cancer-free right now, but it just was getting too much for them. And it's too long to go into, but what they did in November was they signed this property over to Bill and I. And it's 10 minutes from the ranch. And it's, again, I, um, it, it sleeps about 150-something people. There's five homes. There's a, I remember thinking years ago, Lord, what do we, if, if I can't get my kids to a dentist, what am I going to do? And this thing has a full dental clinic. They gave us the, the complete property, turned it over to us with a 15-passenger van, a really nice brand-new um, Chevrolet pickup. Um, they just handed it over and then they said to us, okay, what we're going to do for you guys is we're going to help support you um, for a year and a half with it. We're going to give you $2,000 a month so that, that you won't have to have the weight of um, paying for the, the um, electricity and everything. We're going to help you and we're going to leave the man there, the caretaker, and we're going to pay his salary for you for the next year um, to help you get started because we know that this is a big heavy weight to take all of this on. And so within a, just a period of um, weeks, we had this property located next to our ranch. It's 10 minutes. And our high school boys, we were really wanting to get our kids separated as far as our teenage boys and our teenage girls. So our boys have gone to live at the ranch. Um, they come They come to the base. We call it the base camp now. And we have a school set up. We started homeschooling about four or five years ago. And so I have a school set up there. And um, the boys come in the morning. They go to school. And they're with us most of the day. And in, in, in the afternoon and evening, they head to the ranch. And they work at the ranch. This little place also has a church, a complete church built. Seats about a hundred and, I don't know, maybe two hundred people in it. And so we started another, we've started a, it's, we're starting small, but we've started a Friday night study that people are coming in from the cap, the capital city, uh, Tuxla. Um, they're coming in, uh, where it used to take them two hours to come down to Arriaga to go to our Bible school. Now we've got people coming in to the new place. And we're starting another Bible study there on Friday nights with our children. And, um, our children are doing great. They love the Lord. Many of our kids have been with us for over ten years now. And 
And so now we've got a lot of young adults, and these kids love the Lord. Bill has really worked with them on their music. They're playing um, guitar and, and um and drums and the piano and we've got our worship team with these kids and they're reaching out they've had some amazing encounters with the lord so they've been traveling with us a little bit when we go and they help us pray for people they're moving in the prophetic they're moving in visions um it's just been amazing to watch what god has done with these little kids that have just been abandoned this year too the lord um well the lord a couple of years ago i i shared with you the lord gave us a baby we've got several children that are handicapped and we had a um a little baby girl that was born without a femur and so one leg was um half the length of the other her foot came down to her well, where her knee should be and so this year that was another thing this was happening right in the middle of all of this we had to have her leg amputated and she's 3 and Ellen asked me to share this story with you because it was really powerful. Um, it was a hard time. We were trying to make the transition. It, you know, it sounds, I'm doing it so fast that it sounds easy, but there was a lot of warfare involved in all of this. There was... Um, um, there was lawsuits against this clinic. There were um, there were just people that didn't want us to have it, although Bill and I were able to walk through and kind of keep keep peace on both sides of the groups of people that were involved in this. And in the middle of this, we had to have this baby's leg amputated. And I had, we flew to Mexico City, and um, the Shriners Hospital donated um, all of the surgeries for free. And uh, But still, it was costing us to fly back and forth to Mexico City and do this. And, um, you know, just having this baby girl that is so um, just trusting you and having her say goodbye to her foot because they had to cut her foot off. And um, and she came back and we, by the time she's three, she's already had a, um, surgery on one hip that was out of place. She was abandoned in a store, um, on the border of Guatemala and Mexico. She was nine days old, still had her umbilical cord and a lady left her laying in the floor of a store. And, uh, the guy, the, the owner heard her and, and went in there and found this baby girl on the floor and, um, and so they gave her to an orphanage in Mexico, I mean, no, in Tuxla. And about three months after that, they called us and asked us if we would take her. And I was a little nerved out taking on um, hand, more handicapped uh, children, but the Lord told us to do it. And so we did it, and I'm so glad that we just obeyed the Lord in that. And um, she, by the time she was one, she had to have full surgery, and she was in a body cast from um, right under, right at, from about right here all the way down in a body cast and was in that body cast for three months and then at three years old we had to have her her foot taken off and so but then the lord we we got her 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 first is it prosthetic leg and um and so she's walking now she's three and man she's just blitzing around with that that leg and and um but she fell um just the other day and when she fell she was crying and we were all trying to tend to her because she fell pretty hard and cracked her, her little head and, and, um, so, but this is what she says. She says, but mom, where was God? Where was God? And she just kept saying that and she's crying. She said, but where was God? And I said, but honey, he's, he's right here with you. He's been right here with you, you know, and, and, um, but she went into this hole and we were trying to comfort her and, and she goes and she's exhausted from crying. So she lays down on her bed and one of my workers is laying there with her and, and, um, and somebody made a noise outside and it woke her up and she said straight up in bed and she said, God, is that you? (laughs) 
And um, I use that because I preached a sermon on it because so many times when things do happen to us that we don't understand and we're in pain, we're always going, where are you? And we don't see the fact was that God was very present with Rebecca because um, she has a mom and dad that love her very much and she's got a lot of brothers and sisters that love her very much and God was all around that baby girl. And um, so that's kind of where we're at this year. We, we've just been... Um, it's just been amazing. I said we're we're trying to um, pastor um, the church in Arriaga, and then we're half the week we're up in the new base camp, and things are just growing, and 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 there the ranch is growing. Lord is giving us lots of opportunities to minister in conferences and to bless the people of Chiapas. And He told us He was raising up a lighthouse of hope, and I tell you what, He's doing it. He's raising it up, and I just want to encourage you in that. And um, in two minutes. About two, about two. I got about two minutes. Who said that? Well, I'm sitting there watching you because in a minute he's going to do this. Okay, five minutes. Okay. Well, this is what I want to tell you. It's really, really not about the work. It's really not even about saving the children, although that is just a, a passion in our heart. And, and the people that are being born again, the people that are being delivered, the, the things that, are, that God is doing down there. But let me tell you something. It is about finding Jesus Christ. It is about having such a revelation of who Jesus is. It's about having that, that, that face-to-face encounter with God that nothing else matters but serving him. Nothing else matters except for God. What is it you want me to do? And I am here, Lord. I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice. God, you can take me. You can do with me whatever you want to do. You can take me wherever you want to take me, God. And the more that you fall in love with Christ, the more that you get a clear picture, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the fear melts. We were talking about that last night. When you are so filled with Jesus, and you and you just say, God, all I want is you, and I don't care what it takes. God, I don't care where I have to go or what I have to do, God. But I'm going to be so filled with you, God. I'm going to have such a revelation. God, if, if, if I can read that you, you showed yourself to these people in this, in the Bible, then I can have this same revelation. There is nothing that can be denied to me, God, if you promised it. If you said that the power of Christ Jesus, the power that raised him from the dead, it dwells in me, then there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can stop me from doing the will of God, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard it is. It is Christ in me. It is not on my, based on my limitations, on my bank account. It is not based on my ability to speak a language. It is not based on my understanding of a culture. It is not based on my understanding of even the word of God. It is based on my relationship with the living, powerful, risen Savior. And when that is cemented inside of you, when you are burning with a passion for Jesus Christ, nothing, nothing, and nothing can stop you. And I know when they turn this clinic over to us, I said, God, there is, so, there is so much stuff around this. There are lawsuits. There are people fighting over this property. And God, we just, we don't need it. Right now, our, our association is clean. Our, our, we have a, a really good testimony in Chiapas. And God, we, I just don't want more problems. My life is so full right now. 
And, and I remember that night I went to sleep and I had this dream. And in the dream there were 12 spies. And I woke up in the morning and God said to me, Tammy, are you going to be afraid to claim your inheritance? Are you going to be afraid of those giants? Are you going to go in and claim your inheritance? And I got up that morning and I said, Bill, I'm going up there and I'm going to plant a flag. Spiritually, I'm going to plant a flag with our kids. And I loaded the kids up and I went up to that place because they were stealing it blind. And stuff was just walking out the doors. And we got up there and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, God has given us this place. And there is no demon in hell. There is no giant too big that won't fall under the name of Jesus Christ. We will lift up his name in this place. It will be his standard. We will lift up his standard and we will arise to his standard. We will not bring his standard down to make ourselves comfortable, but we will do exactly what God wants us to do in this place. There has got to be a passion in you. You get one chance at this, one life, only one life. To invest in the kingdom of God. And then you will stand before God face to face and give an account for what you have done. How you have invested this life. It is not worth it. It is so not worth it to not take seriously the word of God and not put it into practice. And it doesn't mean you have to go to a foreign field. It doesn't mean that you have to be a missionary, but it does mean this, that whatever you have found in your hand to do, to do it with all your might, to do it with excellency, because you represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You represent the the King and the creator of the universe. And so with whatever's in our hands, whether it's cleaning the toilet today, do it well. Whether it's cooking, do it well. Whatever it is, do it well and represent your king. Represent your savior in a way that dignifies and glorifies this faith that we have. God wants to raise up his people. To raise us up to be lights. Shining lights. That there's just something about us that people can't figure out. There's just something about that person. Why is it when she hugs me, I feel something? Why is it when he talks to me, I feel something? Because we get so full of Jesus, so full of Christ, that he just busts out of us. And that's what I'm after. God, that's what I want. It's not to do social work, and it's not to be a missionary, and it's not to be a preacher. But God, I want to find you. I want to walk with you. I want to put that. I want, I keep getting this vision in my head, this whole conference. God, I just want to prepare that altar. I want to get the wood on the altar, God, and I want your fire to fall. God, just fall on us and ignite and consume us with your glory, God. Consume us. Final, punto final. Amen. Amen. And after this message, I'll carry your suitcase wherever you go, hon. I want to hear Howard now. I just want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing. Faith has a sound. It has a sound. Ah! That's it. 
I guarantee you when Peter got out of the boat, that's the sound of faith you heard. (laughs) Faith is not silent, it has a sound. And I've made that sound a lot. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. I remember one night, and I'll I'll finish with this. (laughs) See, start and finish, they were really close. We have this little girl who has uh, cerebral palsy. I don't know how to deal with cerebral palsy children. I just know that they they need healing. So Tammy and I, we, we live in the orphanage with the kids. And one night we got a knock on the door. And the girl who takes care of uh, Kimberly was in panic. And she hands me the baby. And the baby is convulsing. Because that's real common with cerebral palsy children. Is some they, they, they can have something that will cause their... They'll startle them and they'll start convulsing. Well, she had been convulsing. And so luckily we have a clinic right next door, or we did have a clinic right next door to where we live. And so she handed her to me, and I'm going, what's going on? And we're looking at her, and her lips are getting blue and because she's having a hard time getting oxygen. And so we go running down, and I'm I'm speaking words of faith. Oh, God, don't let her die. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even drop to my... I was in... Full stride, heading for the clinic. We get to the clinic, it's 10 and so at night, and the door's closed, and I'm knocking on the door, and I, I know there's a nurse in there, I'm ringing the doorbell, she opens the door, and I go, do something! And she goes, what? I don't know. And, I, and she's looking at the baby, and by then, Kimberly's almost limp, and I'm really scared. And so the lady says to me, and now there's no real faith story in this. I just want to tell you how humorous it is being a missionary. <laughs> so don't think that the end is going to be, oh, wow, how mirror. No. She goes, go get the doctor. Well, the doctor was like 90 years old. I don't know if he could even diagnose correctly, you know. What? So anyway, she said, go, go get the doctor. And so I got in the van and leave Tammy with the baby and her, and they take her in and So I go over to the doctor's house and I knock on the door and from upstairs he yells, who is it? And I said, it's me and and we have a little baby and she's dying. Can you just come down? He goes, do you have a car? Yes. Okay, I'll be right there. So I'm waiting, I'm pacing. Oh God, I'm praying. Oh God, sounds of faith are coming out of me. (laughs) And um, he doesn't come down. I knock on the door again. He goes, who is it? (laughs) He went back to sleep. He was probably in mid-stride putting on it up. <laughs> Unbelievable. I had to explain the whole thing all over again. I'll be right there. Oh, sure. She'll be dead and it's your fault. So anyway, finally he comes down really slow. And, you know, I, I try to do everything fast. So every stride that he took, I was like, oh, please, Jesus. <laughs> Finally get him in the van. We get over there. He gives her anti-convulsion medicine, I hope. He gave her something that helped. And she began to, to settle down, you know. And I thought, God, you didn't prepare me for this. You know, you said take care of the orphans and the children that are needy. And okay, I obeyed. But he didn't like, when he handed me this cerebral palsy baby, he said, now here's the manual. She's going to convulse. You're going to need to do this. <sighs> so I have to tell you, I live with a pit in my stomach. And it's not a faith pit. 
I mean, I have one of my childcare workers come to the door and she goes, there's a problem. Oh. It's just, oh. huh? Yeah, and then Brother Stanley says, God says rest. <laughs> I still haven't got it. I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying. Get in my spiritual hammock. So, you know, the thing about being a missionary or the thing about serving God and the walk of faith is nobody, nobody's going to tell you what to do. And there are going to be situations that just scare the socks off of you. You know, having to decide for a baby to have her leg taken off, I mean, one day she's going to say, so why'd you do that? Well, it was her fault. Okay, I, I, I'm sorry, Howard. I, I really, Howard's going to preach for two more hours, so just get comfortable. No, I'm just joking. I love Howard and Lena. Um, I just wanted to, to challenge you with this. You can have as much of God as you want. You can walk in much as much of what God has bought for you as you want. God's not playing some sadistical game where he's sitting up there in heaven going, okay, let's see what you do. Let me give him a, a little bit of power and let's see what you do. Jesus told the disciples, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. Greater, uh, have you done greater things? Are you happy just sitting here listening to somebody talk about greater things? Because I haven't done those greater things. I'm still working on it. But I have seen great things. And I want to see greater things. I mean, raising babies from the dead, that's pretty great. Ahua! That's a different sound of faith. But the word says, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. When you're willing to jettison some of the stuff, some of the baggage, some of the stuff that's keeping you from walking in what he's bought for you, you will experience those greater things. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. It's in your heart. But you've got to take that step. You know, Smith Wigglesworth never even let a newspaper in his home. He didn't want any of that to keep him from the greater things. Because the greater things are found when you find him and you're in his presence and you're serving him and you're taking that walk of faith and they hear that noise ah, because you're walking. Because people who don't walk by faith, you don't hear anything. They go, oh, amen, that is just so good. I love when they tell those stories. <laughs> Hallelujah. <sighs> and I tell you what, we got this property and we got all of the expenses that come with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And people are just so happy that we live by faith. I'm so proud of you guys. You live by faith and God supplies. And I'm going, oh, please help us. <laughs> That's why I don't like being a moochinary. I come to proclaim the name of Jesus and he'll take care of it. Okay, Howard, it's all yours. 